You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Today is an is important day in life of Schweitzer. It's a, a big day. Um, on your seats, you probably all encountered something like this, a giving commitment card. And um, some of you who are, are familiar, you're like, Schweitzer's your home church. That's something that, that you're very familiar with. Uh, later in our service, we're, we're going to have an opportunity for all of us to, to it, um, give a, that commitment card as an intention of what we, we hope to give, a sense of faith, because we're responding to God. We see that God is good. He's God is faithful to us. And so later in our, our worship time together today, we'll have an opportunity to, uh, to f- make sure that card's filled out and bring that up and place that in some baskets that we have up here. But before we get to that time of, of making a commitment for next year, I want to talk briefly with you about one of the aspects of Schweitzer. Um, and we've been looking at a number of aspects of, of Schweitzer in this sermon series. We started off with how we're a, a community who seeks to make impact in, in the broader community, a church that seeks to make impact. And then last week was, oh, help me out, Caring Hearts. That was quick. Thanks, Jake. Uh, you did preach it. Um, we talked about how we, we long to have caring hearts. Today we're going to look at all generation. Next week we'll talk about engaging worship. And, and we're not just going to talk about engaging worship, but the ambition, the desire is that all of worship that day would be engaging. Just as our hope and desire is that, is that every day when we worship, our, our worship is engaging with God and, and with one another. And then the last week we'll talk about deeper discipleship. But today we're going to focus on being a church of all generations. Um, it is a, it's a passion from God that everybody, regardless of the generation that you come from, would be able to find a place within the church that God builds, that God puts together, that God calls his own. In the opening pages of the book of Acts, we find that the Holy Spirit is, is at work within the life of the church. And, and the Holy Spirit takes this predominant role, kind of a chief actor role, a leading actor role in what happens there. And, and we see the Holy Spirit break out on the, on the day of Pentecost, really. But it, throughout the whole book, throughout the whole story, the Holy Spirit is active in leading the church. And on the day of Pentecost, though, there's this, there's this interesting moment when Peter stands up because the Holy Spirit's broken out and the Holy Spirit is beginning to to do things with those who've been gathered in this upper room. And the Holy Spirit's giving them power and energy, the kind of energy and display that most of the people that are around them think is kind of out of the, out of the norm, out of the ordinary. So Peter has to stand up and he has to say, uh, guess what, friends, onlookers, fellow citizens of Jerusalem, you're seeing a bit of display on and actually it was the day of Pentecost, which was a Hebrew celebration day, you're seeing a display of celebration that you find out of the ordinary. And you think it's because we're drunk. But Peter says, check your watches. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, and we haven't been drinking. Now, I, I guess some people, and, and I've had, anyway, I'm not gonna, it's not going there. But Peter says, we've not been drinking. We've, we've not been drinking in fact, there's this power from God, this power on high, this power that, that we can't quite explain at this moment that has overtaken us and filled us. And it's something that is for us. 
But it's not just for us, but it's for you as well. It's for the entirety of the world. It's, it's the power and the love. It's the energy, the fire of God that has come upon us. And to make this point, Peter uh, goes back into a, a promise that God gave to a prophet, a prophet by the name of Joel. And he takes up the scripture, or actually he doesn't take the scripture up. I mean, he just knows the scripture and begins to read. And these are, this is the promise that God gave to the prophet. He said, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I'll cause wonders in the heavens above and, the sign, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds and smoke. And the, and, the, and the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter, in, the, in that moment when the Spirit falls, he turns back to the scriptures that he knows. And it's wise for us to know the scriptures of the Old Testament because that's where the church found its sense of promise and fulfillment of what God is doing. And he turns back to this promise of God that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon all flesh, men and women, young and old. And God is going to give an ability to people that they don't normally think that they have. In fact, an ability that most people think is reserved only for some. The Lord says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on, on everybody who's open, who's willing. And everybody who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. And so there's this there's open inclusiveness to what God is up to. And Peter says, as you look at us on this day when we're gathered in Jerusalem, that's what the spirit has been up to. The spirit has been um, giving us life. And so you see people who are doing things that you normally don't see people do, but it's because the Spirit is present in their life. And it's people who have the ability to, to speak on God's behalf. And in Jerusalem, the thought was that you had, to, you had to be a Pharisee or a Sadducee. You had to be a scribe. You had to be somebody who could do that. And then you saw, saw people that you thought, oh, they have to be silent, but they were speaking. Like in, in the day of Jerusalem, in that day in Jerusalem, women would have been silent or at least been told to be silent, but they were speaking out and they were singing and they were prophesying. And old men and young women were giving voice to what God was doing in their midst. This picture that, that the early church was living into was a picture where everybody had a part to play because the Spirit was giving life to everybody. One of the beautiful things that I think we've been able to see this past year, at least I've been able to see, I hope you've been able to see at Schweitzer, is how that's, that gift of the Spirit, that initiation of the Spirit, is at work in our own, in our own place, in this place, in, in the buildings that we call Schweitzer, in the buildings that we worship in. This last summer, I loved, one of the pictures I just came to love was this picture of Vacation Bible School, where you get all of these kids, and they're gathered in the sanctuary, and they're giving voice and praise and, and honor to what God is doing. And then there is this girl who with all of her might, right? With all of her might and the entirety of her voice, she is giving praise to God. That for me becomes a picture that I say, what does it look like to worship? What does it look like when the spirit is poured out and we just give it 
all to God. It looks something like this, where we're all engaged. And we see the spirit and almost something that we really desire, right? Because I desire that my, my own sense of worship could be that, that big and that bold and that pronounced. Um, that's what we, we see there. One of the things, another picture that I've, I've loved to see, and it's in our own midst, and Norma is here with us this morning. Norma, where did you go? You're right there. I, I got to visit Clyde uh, Gordon this last week, and, and uh, I talked to Clyde. I said, Clyde, I'm, I want to talk about you a little bit this Sunday about all generations, because in our own midst, in this service at Schweitzer, Clyde and Norma Gordon uh, found this to be a place of, of worship, a place that they could call home, a place where they could connect. And Clyde and Norma, when they first showed up, they didn't look like a lot of us. Well, some of you are really young, and then some of us are like middle-aged. But then there's Clyde and Norma, who have a different disposition about them, a different air. And maybe in your own mind, in your own heart, you don't think about how different people are going to act or how they're going to conduct themselves at different generations along the way. But then there's Clyde and Norma. And when they started to come to this service and they started to worship, it was just like that girl, right? At Vacation Bible School. They were all in. They were all a part of it. And my own sense of who can dream dreams who can worship loudly? Who can worship with expression began to be revealed to myself, my own expectations, my own sense of prejudices. And I realized that, that you know what? When Peter stands up and he talks about the gift and the work of the Holy Spirit, he talks, he says that new dreams, new expressions are given to old and young alike. New passions and the energy to worship is present to everyone, to all of us. There's a place for us all around, around the work of God. And so, um, this morning, I would just, I'd just ask for you to keep Clyde in your prayers because he can't be with us right now. And he's, he's gone through, um, gone through some, some surgeries, but God is, is with him. And it's a special it's a special thing to visit with Clyde because it's at this time in his life, it isn't so much that it's the power of Christ that's being revealed, but it's the aroma of Christ that's being revealed in his life. And in both of your lives, Norma, in both of your lives, it's the aroma of Christ that's being revealed. And one other picture that came to my mind was this picture of the youth missions team that went to Chicago this past summer. Uh, some of you know their story, more broad form. Um, they did a number of things in Chicago. One of the places they went to was Pacific Garden Mission. And one of the things that they encountered Pacific Garden Mission was that pillowcases and sheets were kind of used on a frequent basis. And they become threadbare after a while. And some of the teens that were there really started paying attention to that. And there was a burden that came upon their own heart. It's like, there ought to be something more that we can do that's not being done. And they, that group of teenagers began to dream. They began to listen, and, and they're still sort of waiting for the culmination of what that dream looks like. 
but it's a dream that God has planted in their hearts. Like there's something that we ought to do. When we listen and we pay attention to what the Spirit does, the Spirit brings dreams to young and old alike. The Spirit brings the capacity to, to prophesy to young and old alike. The Spirit brings power and life to young and old alike. And calls forth from us. Calls forth worship. Um, speaking of that, Taylor did want me to mention those screens right over there on the, on the wall. This last Wednesday night in this place, our youth group had a, a vertical, which is just, it's an hour devoted to worship and all kinds of things. And, and the teenagers who were in here, and maybe even some older adults, they began to write out uh, their thanksgivings, their praises to what God has done, and some prayers. And it is just I would just encourage you at some time to today, just pop over and read what God is up to, how God's giving voice to people from all generations to engage and to worship. So there is this passion from God, this gift of God, that all of us can be included in worship, that there's a place for all of us. And yet, while we see that within the pages of Scripture, while we see the passion in the heart of that from God, do you ever get the sense that we, we have trouble seeing that lived out? Do you ever get the sense that we struggle to be a, a place, even a, a church for all generations, let alone a, a community for all generations? In the book of Luke, the disciples one day were traveling with, with Jesus. And they'd seen Jesus do a lot of fantastic things beautiful things they were all in with Jesus and then they saw some parents who started to bring their little kids to Jesus and the disciples in Luke 18 they got a little miffed and Luke records the story like this he said one day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them but when the disciples saw this they scolded the parents for bothering him and then Jesus called for the children and he said to the disciples let the children come to me don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a, like a child will never enter it. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Jesus, in this story, in this passage, reveals, I think, to us, like he reveals to the disciples, that all of us have blinders. All of us have scales of weighing people out and determining who's important and who is not so important. One of the great reminders that I, I have of this in my own life is that sometimes when I meet somebody for the first time and I think that they're incredibly important, I almost like an instant can remember their name. But if I meet somebody for the first time and I don't know who they really are, I'm just, this is just real confession right now. I was not intending to go there. I struggle to remember names. Just, on, like if, just a general person, just a person on the street. I struggle to remember names. I don't know if you have the same reality present in your own life, but that's, that's me. It's like, a, it's, like a, um, it's like a warning light in my own heart. Because at some level, we all tend to value people differently. And the disciples looked at kids and they're like, they're not the most important thing. And Jesus says, no, friends, they're really important. 
they have much to teach us about what it's like to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we've got to become like little children if we want to get to that place. And so the disciples, they get it, right? And, and over the course of church history, we've tried to get it. We've tried to remen- remember and remind one another that kids are important to Jesus. And so, so we'll invest in kids' ministries. And we, we've got some pretty, pretty awesome kids' ministries. And we, we want to, you know, and we, we um, think about churches and we value them according to how they've got good kids' ministries because kids are important to Jesus. But have you ever thought, as you looked at that text or read that story, that maybe there are other people who are like the kids in Jesus' day. Maybe we've gotten the message about kids that they're important to Jesus. But then do we, do we in our own minds, our own hearts, begin to segment other, other people in other generations? And do we begin to see that they're less important? As we were coming in, to the point of the election, I heard a joke. Uh, it was a joke about millennials. And, it, and somebody asked the question, uh, do you know what the three top priorities millennials have as they come into the election? And the answer was themselves, themselves, themselves. Now, uh, I heard that joke I heard somebody tell it, and then there was a chuckle afterwards, you know. Lots of people chuckle at that joke. But then I took a step back, and I'm like, what is that joke saying about millennials? There's a sense of judgment upon a generation of people within that joke, right? And when you, when you really take a step back about all of us, when we come to a place of voting, there's probably something about our own self-interest that we're voting for anyway regardless of what generation you find yourself in. I would, I would have really been happy to vote for somebody who would have said, let's do away with daylight savings time. That became like the thing I was interested in. Amen <laughs> to that? Yeah. All of us come with a degree of self-interest. And yet whoever came up with that joke was pitting their own self-interest against that of, of a whole generation of people called millennials. And I thought, you know what, maybe it's not the kids that we sideline now within the life of the church. But maybe it's other generations of people that we say, oh, maybe, they're, maybe they're too old or maybe they're too young. Or maybe they're just somewhere stuck in the middle. And so because of those realities, because we have a, all of us have a degree of self-interest, a, a degree of things that we really like, we don't necessarily build bridges to other generations like we ought to, like we should. One of the things Jesus is just pointing out to the disciples when he points to the kids is that guess what? In the economy of God, in the kingdom of God, there isn't somebody that's just somebody that we can overlook. There isn't a generation that we can overlook because everybody matters. All generations matter to God. And it isn't just that all generations matter to God, but all people matter to God. Um, I'd point you to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, for this sense that all people really matter to God. In that, in that text, in that letter, 
the Apostle Paul was struggling with how do Jews and Gentiles really fit together? Where do we all find a place? And the Apostle Paul here said these words. He said, for you, for you all are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all of you who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like you've put on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you as well. See, the passion of God isn't that we would simply be a church for all generations. But the passion of God is that we would be a church of all people. And that there wouldn't be things like gender or ethnicity or age that would separate us. But that in coming to Christ and finding faith in Christ and being baptized, we would put on Christ. And so that whether you're like Justin and Viviana's little baby girl, or you're, you're somebody who's at the other end of the spectrum, or you're somebody who's stuck in between, whether you're a, a man or a woman, whether you're free or not free, then in Christ, we'd all be found to be carrying his clothes and carrying his person, carrying his passion. And so there would be dignity and honor and respect and admiration for one another because we don't just see somebody else, but we see somebody who's bearing the image of God and of Christ Jesus. Friends, I think that's our biggest challenge as we look at one another within the church and within our broader community. A couple weeks ago, I was in a conversation. Somebody asked me to describe um, what Springfield was like. And I said, you know, by and large, we're a city that kind of looks mostly alike. We don't have a great deal of all of that, uh, that beautiful color that God has placed within all of creation. And then I was reminded that we oftentimes tell that story, but that's not the true story of the place where we live, the city that we live in. The people who work in the public school system say that in, in the elementary schools in Springfield, there's somewhere between 20, 15 to 20% significant ethnic diversity. And seldom times do we see that or talk about that. But there's significant diversity within our public school systems. And a future generation, the generations that come behind us, are going to know broad diversity. And we need to think about that and embrace that and begin to see that and begin to give voice to it. Because unless we begin to give voice to it, unless we begin to say that it's present, we don't really honor the fact that God made a world full of living color. And he blesses it. And he longs to bring everyone, everyone under the banner of Christ. I think one of the challenges for us being a church that's really a church of all generations and a church of all people is a personal challenge. It's a personal challenge that each of us face when we, when we go on our social media sites um, or we look at our phone calls or logs or we look at the tables that we sit down and eat at. For many of us, we long to be a church of all generations. 
We're glad that we can be, but sometimes we don't build enough bridges to continue that thrust and that energy. We know that we're a, a growing center of diversity, and yet sometimes we don't reflect that because we get siloed within our own sense of culture. And so I would encourage you this week, can you put that slide back up, Christy? So I'd encourage you this week to take a look at your social media site. How many friends do you have that are outside your own demographic? Whether it be your age or your, um, your gender or your class. How many people do you interact with broadly? How many people do you talk to or text that are different than you? Who sits down at your table? Who do you eat with that's different from who you are? Because we need to know this. That God, in the picture of the kingdom that God presents to us, is that he, he wants a picture of the church that looks like it's full of all generations and all colors and all backgrounds, all classes and all genders. Because to him, we all matter. And his love reaches each and every one of us. Whether we know him or not, his love reaches out to each and every one of us. We're going to show a video right now about how the all generations piece has mattered to some folks here at Schweitzer. Let's take a, a look and a listen. What's the role of, uh, of not just having your own people, but also that intergenerational play, whether uh, you're volunteering that way, whether you're receiving that way, um, and how has that helped you grow, um, maybe in your faith, in the way that you experience God, maybe just as a person? Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, go into youth and maybe had a little bit of a bad day. <laughs> And do you know how easy it is for those young people to just talk and make everything better? Mm -hmm. And I think they're the tools and God is the motivator. Yeah. And uh, it's a completely interactive thing. As far as the, uh, the third to fifth graders at Good News Club, when I hear some of their stories and see how strong those young people are, you better believe it impacts me when I start complaining or about little things. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to put those over here. Yeah. So. My main thing probably is going on mission trips you're only like you're going deep in a mission trip mm -hmm. or like a retreat because you're setting yourself to do that right um, whenever I'm on a mission trip I'm just I feel like I'm a different person and whenever I get the love of God in my life and I just feel it and I just get that like adrenaline like I can't let go let go of it and like a lot of people say like after like they get a Jesus high it just goes away but that never goes away for me. Like, I feel it, and then, like, I hold on to it for, like, the rest of my life. And, like, I have to, like, keep getting better and better, like, from that. Yeah. I mean, like, I still, like, have lows and highs, but, like, I never permanently just, like, forget about it. Yeah. And just realizing that, like, mission trips and, like, what I've been through is that, like, that's my faith right there, and yeah. I can't let go of it. So I, there's no starting over. It's only going up from here. Yeah. A year after I joined MOPS, my dad um, passed away. And so at this point, I lost both my parents. And 
it was really hard for me because I mean I have three little kids and I'm gonna have a grandma and grandpa and sorry, the women down there like we have moms that are like me with kids that are younger and some of them unfortunately have been through the same stage I have with losing both parents but then like we have all these mentor moms and these mentor moms are like my mom's age you know like yeah. their kids are older they have grandkids and so to see the older mentor moms which I don't consider them like they just circled around me to let me know that even though technically my mom's not here my dad's gone like they were there for me and my kids and still like to this day one of the mentor moms she checks in with me weekly like what's going on with me what's going on with my kids like she we went out to breakfast last week I mean she's just one of those core people that you mean I have my in-laws and I love them but just to have that one person that's like I'm here for you no matter what and even though I'm a mom you know to have somebody be like that for me it's just it was amazing to see women that would be there for somebody like that so even though I'm still at the same stage of life of no sleep <laughs> and talking back four-year-olds I mean I still get I get more out of it because I'm also there with people that are going through the same thing that are that are going through the same thing but also I'm there with people that will be there for me like how I need it so um, my husband lost his job about three months ago and the love and support of that group downstairs I mean I never would have thought like I again I felt like I had parents that were you know checking in wanting to do what they could do to yeah. offering to help us out any way they could and so it's it's amazing we get a lot out of there for our kids we get a lot out of there for us but then there's there's a group of women down there that are older that they really do take care of us yeah beautiful stories and hopefully friends hopefully you found your your own place like that you found where you can contribute you found where people are contributing back in your own life and they're the life of christ is something that surrounds you and it equips you and encourages you well this morning um we're gonna pivot now the band's gonna come up and they're gonna start to lead us in a in some worship and one of the things that we've got before us is the commitment card and um about 2019 uh giving if you're a a visitor, a guest with us, I just invite you to sit back and relax. And, you know, if the Spirit would prompt you in some form or fashion, you want to fill that out, well, that's the, the Spirit's prompting. But this is really like a church family kind of time where we say to one another and we say to God, you know what, um, we're getting ready to go into a new year. And we know that um, we know that we just we've got to make some steps of faith. We've got to step out. And so if I didn't take, I'd just like to encourage you to take a moment to take that commitment card and maybe you've already filled it out. You've come with it filled out. You're ready to do that. Um, and if not, I just encourage you to take a little bit of time to think about this next year and where are you at? Some of us, um, you've been a part of Schweitzer for a long time or, or maybe just for a little bit. And maybe you've given sporadically or maybe you haven't given. One of the things I just love to say at, at that place is if giving isn't something that's been frequent within your own life, it's a really good thing to start. And if you've been sporadic about giving, it's really good to, be, to get a plan and to start to take the next step. And if you've got a plan, maybe it's a time in your life and in your faith 
uh, you hear the scriptures talk about giving of, of 10%, maybe you'd like to make a commitment like that. Because you see it lived out within scripture. Or maybe you'd like to go beyond 10%. And, and you would just like to develop this heart of generous, uh, uh, generous giving, our heart of generosity. This morning is the band plays and they lead us in a song. I'd like to pray for us because making a commitment to give is making a commitment to be a part of a larger body. And to be a church that, that seeks to live the fullness of Christ in the community and the fullness of Christ back to Christ. And so I'd like to um, pray over us, pray for this time as we go into worship. Kind Father, thanks for today. Thank you that there's a promise that comes to us and meets us in Scripture. That no matter what age we are, what station in life, you have a passion and love and desire for us. And your spirit is something that can be poured out upon us can equip us and lead us. And we can find our place within your church, within your world. So today we want to thank you for the promise of your spirit. And we want to pray for this time where we think about the year ahead. And what does it look like for us to walk in faith with you? Would you just speak into the midst of our hearts, challenge us, challenge us to be people to reflect your generosity, your generous heart. Give us a sense of faith of what that picture of giving might look like. And if, if we haven't been people of giving or if we've struggled with giving, would you give us a picture of faith and joy and hope that as you care for us, as you provide for us, we would see your power lived out in our lives today and in all days. In Christ's name we pray, amen.